Welcome to episode one of the Appetite for Change podcast. In this episode, we are going to be picturing success and changing the conversation. I'm Chris McKay, one of the health promotion specialists in Edmonton. And in this session, Heather Garo Miller, one of my co-health promotion specialists and I are going to take a look at this first piece that involves what we say to ourselves. So let's begin this navigation of our individual journeys to wellness. So a big part of any journey is accepting that things might not always go according to plan, that we might have to take some detours, accidentally miss key turnoffs, or end up somewhere completely different than we thought we were going. One of the things that's going to be the most difficult to accept over the course of the journey to wellness is that we need to accept where we are right now, in this moment, and believe in our worth today, just as we are. And for a lot of us, that is a really big challenge because we are always feeling this pressure to change. The pressure we feel from the real or perceived judgments of the people around us, the pressure we feel from society about what it is to be successful. So true. But interestingly, the idea that we need to be better and even wanting to be better isn't the problem. Striving to challenge ourselves in life is good for us, mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. The problem is the belief that we won't be enough until we achieve blank. Whatever it is that we have deemed to be that elusive mark of success, that's the problem. And a lot of that is related to the conversations we have with others, with ourselves, those we overhear that are about us and aren't flattering. With all of that going on, it's hard to believe that we could ever be okay right here, right now. Exactly. And we are here to tell you, you are enough. Just as you are, you are not a before picture waiting to become an after picture. You are a whole, complete being who is changing in little ways every day. We are all in a state of change, every moment of every day, and that is a good thing. But that doesn't mean that the person you are right now in this moment has less worth than the person you will be tomorrow. Nor does it mean that some future version of yourself is worth more than you are today. How many of us have images in our head about who we should be, how we should look, what we should be able to do? And where do those images come from? We are fed those images every day on TV, in movies, magazines, social media. These images are often unrealistic, unattainable, photoshopped, and airbrushed, and they often dictate to us what an ideal body should look like. What a boring world it would be if we all looked the same. These images only serve to produce feelings of guilt and shame and a sense of failure, but they've become so ingrained in our culture and so pervasive that it's difficult to separate out two very key issues or components, health and weight. Absolutely. And it is so frustrating that these words have become synonymous, often unrealistically and unjustifiably so. And what happens is that we are therefore not always supportive of people who don't fit that mold of health. The truth is the majority of serving members need a reasonable fitness level to do their jobs. And that fitness level may not come in a package with only 3% body fat. And that's okay. Not everyone needs to have as a goal to become special forces fit. It's not everyone's dream, nor should it be. And even if you do happen to fit that body type, it doesn't necessarily mean you are healthy. 
because the two simply are not synonymous. When weight is discussed, it is always with respect to its negative effects on health without considering the genesis or rationale as to how or why a person may be struggling with weight in the first place. What is the relationship of health to weight? How are weight and health viewed in relation to each other? And what is the bias? First, what I think we need to consider is what is health and how is it different from or related to weight? Health, as defined by the World Health Organization, is not simply the absence of disease. It is made up of many components, none of which mention weight or height or body fat percentage. There is a significant bias as to how it is dealt with, meaning that the conversation people end up often having with themselves is one of blame, shame, guilt, frustration, and a sense of hopelessness often as a result of these conversations that they've been having with well-intentioned health professionals, fitness staff, peers, or leadership. How do those conversations support or detract from the idea that you can be healthy but not thin when images of super lean, super cut, super ripped, super models flood your social media feed or the ads on Spotify or TV It's tough not to get caught up in the idea that success and health have a very defined look, and those two words are often used interchangeably. Such excellent points, when really the reality is that both men and women are subjected to these images, and if you've ever watched The Biggest Loser, you'll know that no one is free from being ridiculed because of how they look or what they can't do. What we saw over the course of that show was their level of, again, success, with people being eliminated when they don't achieve whatever the goal of the episode was, until they get down to the biggest loser who ultimately wins. What was never shown us was that the vast majority of the people who lost significant weight gained it all back plus more within five years of their being on the show. What is also not honestly portrayed is that the circumstances under which participants lived and subsequently lost weight while on the show is a complete departure from the environment that led them to wanting to be a contestant in the first place. After the competition, they go back to that environment and guess what happens? No trainers yelling at you, no people controlling your intake, no peer pressure or team battles. So all that external motivation is gone and they're left trying to figure out what they need to do to try to maintain that weight loss, which is really what the honest to goodness challenge is, maintaining weight loss. What were the systems that were in place before and after the show? We'll look more at those important systems in episode two, but I think it's important when you think about either weight or health, that you think about them in context of your life as a CAF member, D&D employee, spouse, family member. There are essentially three categories of reasons why there is a focus or concern with weight. These include functional benefits. Maybe it's about passing the force test a little easier, being able to do a ruck march without pain, participating in the Nunmegan march, or simply having the energy to meet all the demands of life. For many, it is about what they don't want to have happen, called avoiding consequences. It might include fear of release because the fitness standard couldn't be achieved or to have to change trades. Maybe they don't want to develop musculoskeletal injuries or other chronic conditions. 
And finally, it might be with an eye towards considering what matters most to you. Do you want to function well in your job, to enjoy a career without medical restrictions, to enjoy an active retirement, to be fit or healthy enough to be able to play with your children or your grandchildren, or to avoid a life dominated by disability? What do your conversations sound like when you consider all these categories? Are the messages about gaining something or losing something? Is it about fear or about ambition? The way that we frame these things makes a huge difference in terms of our ability to follow through with them. It is related to the extrinsic or intrinsic motivation that is required for anything that we choose to do. Both are useful, but which one do you think is more powerful? The research shows that internal motivation is more powerful in the long term. External motivation, whether positive or negative, think the old carrot versus the stick approach, may kickstart a behavior, but it is less likely to be sufficient to maintain that behavior. And I think it's so important in breaking it down into those categories to help us to ensure that the focus of those conversations continue to have an actual role in helping you determine what is important to you and therefore what your next steps are going to be. And I think one of the most important questions to consider is, does the size or weight that you are matter or affect the success that you would have in any of those categories we just considered? If yes, in what way? And is that motivating or demotivating to you? What have you been telling yourself? I need to lose X pounds. I need to fit into size X. I have to pass the force cast. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If those are the things that you're saying, those are all going to factor into what you choose to do. What is perhaps even more important, though, is to think about whether this is your story or is it what someone else has been telling you should be your story? So what we want you to also think about is how can you rewrite your story? How can you rethink your image of success? What do you want to accomplish? What's important to you in terms of your health, your career, or your family? What of those three categories can act as a positive element to help motivate you to make the changes necessary to help you be your most successful you. So think for a moment, if you were to picture yourself successful, what does that look like? What does it mean to you to be successful? What do you picture yourself doing? How are you behaving? What things do you have in place that are helping you to stay on track? Is it conditional on achieving certain milestones? Are those milestones realistic? Is it overall linked to happiness? And how many people put a qualifier on happiness? That notion of, I'll be happy when. When what? When you lose the weight, win the lottery, get a promotion. It makes me so sad when I hear other people, or honestly, when I catch myself doing that. Why is happiness conditional on something that's in the future? Why can't we be happy in the present? What are the obstacles standing in the way of that happiness? How much of that is related to the conversation that we are having with ourselves? And how much of that is influenced by society, social media? How much of it is related to our ideas of success? How linked are they? When we view happiness as something that can only occur after certain conditions have been met, then what are we doing right now? Sitting around being miserable, malcontents, bitter about our situations? One of the lines that we hear frequently 
when we teach stress management is only 17 more years until I retire and I can get out of here. That is such a tragic line of thinking. So for 17 years, you're going to suffer in a position, location, job, career that you either hate or clearly not passionate about. And then what? That conversation is energy and life-sucking. We need to take a good long look at how we are seeing things, which is why reflecting on what you see as success is so important. That person who crossed the finish line needs a cheerleader encouraging their current selves to do the work to get them to that finish line. Not a negative Nelly gripping about how sucky everything is. We need to stop living in or waiting for the future and do all of our living right now. Be in the present, in the body that you have right now. Maybe you can lift your kids and carry things. Maybe you can bring in your groceries from the car. You can get up and down the stairs. That doesn't mean you have to settle for what you have. You can always be moving forward while living in the present. Maybe you can do 10 kneeling push-ups, but you need to do X number of full body push-ups. Celebrate what you can do right now and keep on doing those push-ups and exercises that will strengthen your upper body and soon you will get where you want to be. So what makes you happy? If weight and happiness are linked, how can they be unlinked? Recall a time when you felt you were successful in your life. What were you doing that helped you achieve that success? For me, in the past couple of years, I've picked up a hiking bug. I took on a challenge of doing three summits in three days with 40 women. And it started something wonderful because I had a plan to get me up those three summits. I had a training plan I had to follow to be successful. I wrote out that plan and day by day I completed it. When a barrier got in my way, I looked for alternative ways to stay on track. I would go to the gym and climb the step mill when the weather didn't cooperate. I was flexible with days that I trained so that when events stopped me from training, I could easily move that training plan around and stay on track. I had a support network of other women I would be hiking with that kept me on track and me, them. When motivation started to wane, and it did, the best part of it is the skills I developed have carried forward. I still have that support network and we don't let each other cop out. I have become a better barrier basher. I've gotten better hiking equipment so that the weather elements don't stop me. I'm hiking all year now with crampons and snowshoes and raincoats and gaiters, sunscreen and bug spray. My success has come from support, flexibility, preparedness, and finding something that gives me joy. And that's being in nature for me. And guess what? I'm not a small woman and all that joy, all that success, all that health came without losing a single pound. You can be healthy as determined by markers such as blood glucose, blood pressure, cholesterol, etc. You may also be able to hike up three peaks in three days, or complete an Olympic length marathon, triathlon, or deadlift 200 pounds, or drag the sled carrying 200 pounds for 50 meters, all while not being able to do a single burpee. What do you think are better indicators of success or health? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Not the last one. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's such a great example, Heather. And I think that because there are a lot of things that we need to consider is, as we shift our way of thinking, it's easy for people to get a bit overwhelmed. It would help, I think, to consider some of the following and just putting it out there. But if you want to take some notes to reflect on, grab a pen and paper if you're not driving. And then you maybe download the show notes from our CAF Connection page and just think about these things to kind of help you get on track. Think about what the elements are that you notice help you feel successful and what needs to happen for you to get there. Is there something that you should be doing differently? Maybe you might benefit from talking to a professional. How has COVID helped you to do things differently from the way that you did it before, from the way that we did it at the height of the pandemic, to how we're doing things now in this new kind of thing that we're learning how to do? What can you do to change in your present situation to make things go smoother? Are the goals that you're setting for yourself or the things that you want to do realistic? How long do you think it's going to take to get there? Do you have that kind of time? Is it a work or career related goal and therefore more time sensitive? Or is it something that you just want to do as a bit of a bucket list item? Do you feel that there is something that is keeping you from being as successful as you could be? Or that is a barrier to starting or even being able to imagine success? at all. When you are successful, you have been able to create meaningful, lasting change. How are you going to measure that? What metrics are you using? Like my previous example of hiking, for me, it's measured by consistency of showing up. It's measured by my self-talk and how I work through moments when I don't want to show up. It's measured by how much easier it feels to get up a steep incline. It's measured by my improved mental health and feelings of happiness. Because success shouldn't be something that is fleeting. It's not summiting three mountains only to stop hiking altogether. It's the continued commitment to yourself to keep going. Maybe not in exactly the same way, but in some way. Excellent points. Really good points. And I think that when we're talking about wellness, these are different metrics than we often think of. We often think of simply that number on the scale, the size of our pants, that picture-perfect selfie. So it's really important that those shift too. Absolutely. Christine D'Ercole, Peloton cycling instructor, velodrome cyclist, and public speaker, talks about changing our chatter. We listen unwittingly to the words in our head on autopilot. She challenges us to change that chatter using the mantra, I am, I can, I will, I do. As you can imagine, the autopilot answer to I am blank is likely something awful. So instead, she asks us to take a minute to think about the four statements and fill them in with something powerful. Change the mantra in your head and let it be the earworm you hear throughout the day. I am strong, powerful, determined, Stubborn. I can. Hike for days. Keep my body nourished. Take care of my kids. I will. Find time for me. Do the Nine Megan March. Get that promotion. I do. What I can. My best. What needs to be done. If you're not driving or aren't hiking in the bush, grab a piece of paper and jot those sentence starters down right now. Fill in the blanks. And try to have it be words that aren't descriptors of your physical self or workouts or weight goals. Because you are about so much more. Much more than the number or the size. And the sooner you start having those different conversations with yourself, the sooner you will be able to define and measure success in a different way. If you are hiking or driving, however, 
This will all be in the show notes, so you can still do it later. Maybe what needs to happen to shift our understanding of success is that we simply move the markers. There are things that a successful person does, but they don't start them when they are successful. They do those things to become successful and maintain that success, with probably some tweaks thrown in here and there to adapt, modify, overcome the unexpected. What you do to be successful in the future is what you need to be doing right now. What one thing could you change to be more like your successful self today? Exactly. Because it isn't about a major overhaul in this moment. It's about small sustainable changes like going to bed half an hour earlier, getting up and moving every hour, talking to the people that are getting on your nerves instead of looking for snacks, deciding to go for a walk after supper or committing to getting started on doing chin-ups or full body push-ups or whatever it is that you want to be doing. Start with the baby steps that will get you there right now. Despite having been fed the garbage from the media and society and wherever else, it's time we took back how we define our own success. It does not come in a one-size-fits-all set of combats. The conversation that needs to change is that I will be successful when to I am successful now by taking all those steps and having them transform me into that person on the other side of the finish line. Letting go of what we're supposed to look like, but connecting with how we feel when we are successful will go a long way to helping to do all that hard work that is involved in change. And there will be things that need to change, but for the right reasons. Barriers will appear, may already in fact be there, but if we acknowledge that they will be there and identify the ones that we know about, it makes it possible to develop a strategy that will help to overcome them. Starting at the finish line puts you in the mind of the person that you want to become. To be that person, you have to do what they do. There's no magical stuff in the middle. It takes time, dedication, commitment, and the desire to be that person now. Making those good decisions, making healthy choices, doing the work now, that will be the same work that your future self will be doing then. And I think it's really important that people internalize the fact that weight is not a behavior. Weight is not an indicator of success or failure. It's a number. It is also not an excuse. People of all shapes and sizes can successfully do all manner of things. So while we are not saying that you should simply accept where you are at, and that isn't the end of it, we are saying that wherever you are right now is simply a point in time, a starting point, a midpoint, whatever, but that you need to do all that you can do to embrace this moment. Whether you can compete in a ninja warrior tomorrow or never, you are still able to do many things in the body that you are in. It doesn't have to look like an Adonis or a supermodel to be functional. In the society we live, and in this case particularly, work in, there is a lot of judgment about your ability simply based on the exterior. But that isn't always accurate, and it often doesn't tell the whole story. There are people that do amazing things right now in their bodies that average-sized people cannot do. Again, it is the conversation that we are having with each other. When we see someone who doesn't fit the image and yet is working through a tough workout or doing their job, likely very competently, and of course the conversations that we are having with ourselves. I don't need to look like a ninja warrior to be a ninja warrior. I really believe that as with so many things, it often comes down to self-reflection. Look at where you are right now. What are you doing? Why are you doing those things? 
Are you happy? Are these behaviors reflective of the person you want to become? When you think of health, think of it as the whole package, physical, mental, emotional, everything. Can you do the things you want to do? If not, then how does what you are doing right now need to shift? What motivates you? The idea of being able to run 50 kilometers when you turn 50? Then what are you doing right now to achieve that reality? Change how you talk with and to yourself. Be the encourager, motivator, mentor, supporter, rather than the detractor. Remember the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. It's not just a children's story. It's a valuable life lesson for all ages. Absolutely. We all need to stop putting off happiness until some future time point, achievement, or moment. I read an essay about a woman who had struggled with her weight her whole life and then had some kids and that added to her challenge. And so she decided that she was going to compete in a fitness competition. She ended up losing a whole bunch of weight and essentially reshaped her body. And what she discovered was that she was no happier in a thin body than in her original one. Luckily, she didn't just let herself go, but she found that place where she didn't have to sacrifice everything to maintain this new body while still being comfortable in her own skin. An interesting lesson and one I think we can all learn from. And I think that we need to remember that you get to write your own story. I really just love how that sounds. No one else gets to decide who you're gonna be, what you're gonna do, how you're going to live. You do. So write the most amazing story you can. If you aren't happy with the first few chapters, then it's up to you to add the plot twist. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you learned a few things. And please check out session two, where we consider what systems for success look like. See you next time.